Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. This series, again, I wasn't going to do a series. Uh, In the summertime, I never do a series because a lot of people are in and out. They're gone, and they miss part of whatever we're talking about. But God laid this upon my heart to do a series, and it's called Equip. So everything's going to be dealing with Equip. So today, I want to talk to you about Equipped to Equip. How many of you know that you and I are equipped to equip others. As you have parents, you know, you have been raised by your parents to raise you and they trained you to become the man and women that you are today. And because now you are parents, now you're able to equip your kids and eventually your kids will equip their kids. And it just keeps going on and on and on. Well, God equips each and every one of us and prepares us to be like him. The more we spend time with him, the more you what? Become like him. They say after 20 years, true statistics, they say after 20 years when you're with your spouse, I never thought, Michael, this is true, but they say that after 20 years when you're with your spouse that long, you start taking on and looking like your spouse. Check that out. Check it out for yourself. I'm like, man, I'm spending a lot of time with my wife. Hey, my wife is hot, so I like looking like her, man. Check it out, right? But they say you you start taking on or start looking like them. And, you know, the crazy thing is the more you're with the Lord, the more you become like him, right? The more you become like him, like father, like son, in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. In the presence where you receive all your your strength and your your hope and all these things from God. But I've been talking to you about over the last few weeks about David. And we've been talking in Psalms 51, and we've been talking about David. And David was a great man of God, and he was the great Solomon, and he wrote a lot of things. And if you ever read the book of Psalms, you can see that David was not a perfect man. How many of you know that he wasn't a perfect man? But God can take your mess and give you a message. And God can take your junk and turn it into something beautiful. And David had his ups and downs in life. He was not by far any any way being perfect. By any way, shape, or form was he perfect. But David also had a heart after God. I love what he says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants after thee. That David had a heart after God. And that's what it's all about, that we need to have a heart after God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 says, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall and will be full. So God is saying, if you have a hunger after me, you're going to be full. And what are we going to be full of? We're going to be full of his presence. God wants us to be full of him. But David has a lot of mistakes. He had a lot of ups and downs. By far, he was not perfect. But I was always taught that I learn from your mistakes. How many know that you learn from your mistakes, right? You learn from your mistakes. You don't go around the same tree. You burn me once. You don't burn me twice. You learn from the mistakes and things that you, uh, the school of hard knocks. Have you ever heard that term before, right? And you learn from your mistakes. But if you have your, on the screen there, it will say this. Your mistakes or failures are classroom experiences so that you can teach others. So sometimes, in other words, what it's saying, the experiences and the failures in your life were just not only to teach you and to train you, but also, Quinn, to help you help 
others. That's why it says in the book of Corinthians that the same comfort that you have received from the Holy Spirit when you are going through hardships and struggles in your life is the same comfort that you show to those who are going through struggles in their own personal lives also. So what you receive from God, God's saying, what you receive from me, you in turn play it forward. You play it forward and help someone else who may be going through the same struggle or hardship that you yourself have gone through. So our failures are classroom experiences that others can learn from you. I love this. Mistakes and failures can push you away from God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Can push you away from God or draw you closer to God. And that is so true. And man, right after I wrote this sermon, yesterday I was picking up the signs from the garage sale, and man, I ran into this couple. I ran into this couple, and you know what I said? Your failures can push you away from God, or it can draw you closer to God. Well, I experienced yesterday this very thing from this person I was talking to yesterday. They were angry at God. And so because they're angry at God, they're like, hey, I was into this thing with God 150%, and, man, God didn't show himself to me. He wasn't faithful to me. She said, man, now I don't feel like I need God anymore. I'm just on my own. And see, what happened because of some of the tragedies and things that took place in her life, it pushed her away from God. And isn't that exactly what the enemy wants to do? He wants to use your mess, your hardships, your struggles in life to draw you closer or further away from God and closer to him. He wants you to get caught up in all this confusion. And God is not an author of confusion, but a God of peace. But hardships can either push you, to God, push you away from God or push you to God. And one of the things that a lot of times people do when you're hurting, you run from God, you run from church, you run from people that can sharpen you, and that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. He wants to isolate you, and once he isolates you and makes you run from God, then he pounces on you. And he doesn't fight fair. If you ever notice when Jesus approached Jesus, the enemy approached Jesus, and Jesus asked the man that was possessed, he said, what is your name? He didn't come with one demon. He said, my name is Legion. And when he said his name was Legion, what he was making reference to, he said, there's many of me. And what happens is when you draw away from God, the enemy doesn't just come by himself. He comes with a reinforcement of others. And he wants to pounce on you. He wants to make you feel down and out and discouraged that you give up and quit. The other day, we received a message on our messenger and they're very good friends of ours. And they've gone through some hard times and they went through a divorce and so on and so forth. And the father, the husband, just yesterday, we got the message, two days ago, excuse me, we got the message that he died. And they're not quite sure how he died. All they know that he was inside the car and the car was running and you figure out the rest. Knowing this person... I saw one time that, man, he would really worship God. This person really, seriously loved God with all his heart. Now, I don't know the end result of how he lost his life, but you figure it out. Car running, in the car, in the place where he was. The neighbor had to come in and bust the window. Figure it out. You see what the enemy does? He comes to kill rob, and destroy. That's his whole motive in life, is to kill, rob, and destroy, to push you away. But David, 
a man after God's own heart in Psalms 51, he says these words in verse 9. I love what he said. He said, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. In other words, David is coming to the Lord and he's confessing that, God, I'm a sinner. But thank God I'm saved by grace. And that's why it says in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just and will purify you from all unrighteousness. That God will purify you. He'll make you clean. He'll make you right in his sight. He'll make you perfected. He'll make you start running good again. But you have to confess because confession is good for the soul. Then he says, then after he says that, look what he says. Creating me a pure heart, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Oh, God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Notice what he's saying. David is having a heart confession with God that God... I had my ups and downs, and I've been a sinner, but God, I'm saved by grace. I'm no longer under condemnation, but I'm under conviction. I allow the Holy Spirit to move in my life. God, change me, rearrange me, transform me, whatever you have to do in my life. You are the potter, and I am the clay. Mold me, shape me, break me into what you would have for me in my life. That's what he's doing. He's yielding his life to God. You know, we always, a lot of times in our services, what I always have you do, lift your hands. Why? Because I say when you lift your hands, you make the V that stands for victory. What do you mean victory? Whenever you surrender to God, God can take and replace it with something greater. But you have to surrender it so that God can replace it with something better. But so many times we are afraid to totally surrender to God because we want to hold on to things that are in our closet. And God said, listen, I can't transform you or change you if you are still holding on to things that are contaminating you. A little bit of yeast works through a whole batch of dough, and you have to let go of these things in your life so that you can get full victory and control of my spirit. Somebody say amen. amen. And so you have to let it go. So he goes on to say, he says, next verse, go ahead, turn it. He says, restore to me. He said, no, go back, go back. Where'd you go? Restore to me the joy of your salvation. In other words, God, replace the opposite of joy with the enemy is sorrow, pain, discouragement, defeat. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then watch this. This is very key, and this is what I'm going to expound on over the next few weeks. Notice what David says. Before you can teach others and help others, you have to be able to learn from yourself, and you have to be willing to say, God, You've taught me, now I can teach others. David said, make me right in your sight. Because then he says this in verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. So in other words, what David is saying, I can't tell others about Jesus. I can't share others about you, Lord, if I myself are doing things that are not right. But, God, if you transform me and change me and rearrange me, I'm going to have a testimony. I'm going to be a witness for you. I'm going to be an example for you. And I can tell others, God, what you have done in my life, and they can, you can do it in their life. You know, one of the greatest things that I've had, and, and I'll tell you, I, I, uh, the greatest testimony that people can have if you've been a Christian all your life and you've been serving God all your life, man, hats off to you. Praise God. That's a, that's a triumph in itself. Man, I wish that I could say that. I wish that I could say that that was my testimony, that I followed the Lord all my life. But you know what? I have a testimony. And because of my testimony, 
my drug addiction, my six surgeries on my nose, and, man, the scars on my arms, and all the things that I did before I knew Christ is a testimony. And because of that testimony, guess what God gives me? He gives me a testimony that I can share with others that God did it for me. He can definitely do it for you. You see, God taking you through high waters and taking you through low waters and high mountain peaks and low valleys. He's taking you through them in your life, not just for your own personal gain or experience, so that you can teach others. But I love this. I love what this. You can never help. You can never get help to overcome something until you really want it. Until you really want it. You can never get help. David did. I remember when I was that alcoholic. When I was that alcoholic, man, people would just sit me down and they would try to preach to me and tell me all kinds of things. You need to make it right or get left or all these kinds of things. Until I came to the place in my life that I wanted help and get serious help, that's when I finally did get help. You see, listen, you have to ask God, I really want it. I want a change in my life. You see, David's concession was out with the old and in with the new. That, God, I'm getting rid of the old. I'm getting rid of the old, and I want to end with the new. That's why he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. I'm out with the old and in with the new. That God, you do something new in my life. Then I will be able to teach others, God, what you have done in my life. I can share with them, God, you taught me, you trained me, you changed me, you rearranged me. And God, therefore, what you've done in me, I can share with the rest of the world. God, if you did it for me, you can do it for them. Yeah. Right? So I like this. How many of you know this? Uh, man, oil changes. If you don't take, Bob, you're a mechanic, and Scott, you're a mechanic. If you don't change and you take the oil and you say, I'm going to do an oil change. By the way, I, I was taught, Bob and Scott, how to do change oil on my car and my trucks or whatever from my wife, my pookie woman. <laughs> I, I have to be honest. You should have seen the first time when we first got married. Man, we put our car up on a curb so that we can get under it. We put it up on a curb right there in the city in Minneapolis. And my wife crawled under that bad boy. And she's explaining to me, honey, you got to take this little boat right here. And you should have seen her, man. She was this, woo. She was this hot mechanic under the car. And she showed me how to do it. And she was showing me to take the band and get the filter off. But you know how many know that, man, you can drain the oil but if you don't take the oil filter off, you're still going to contaminate the new oil because the oil filter holds about a quart of oil in that. And you're still going to contaminate the new oil. So you have to take the old filter off as long as draining the oil. And a lot of times what happens is we need an oil change. A lot of times we, we, we take the oil out, but we're not willing to take out the oil filter. So we think we can get by. But if I, like I said earlier, a little bit of yeast works through a whole batch of dough. And so what happens is we contaminate the new oil that we put inside us because we still have the oil filter on. And God wants us to say, Lord, I want a complete oil job in my life. Have you ever noticed that the Holy Spirit represents oil? Oil, wind, fire, all the water. The Holy Spirit represents that. And God wants to move in your life. That's why David says in verse 11, take not your Holy Spirit from me. So in other words, God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me, God. Man, I need the oil of your Holy Spirit in my life so that I can run smoothly in my life. 
that I can run smoothly. The other day, I brought a lawnmower from Menards, and not knocking Menards, but I brought a lawnmower from Menards, and I took it home on Monday. This was about a month ago. Took it home on Monday, and I used it that day for probably an hour because it got dark real quick, right? I was like a new kid in the candy shop. I got a new lawnmower. I got to try it out. It got dark, and then I had to put it away. I was sad because my lawnmower was really working well. But then the next day, I went out Tuesday that night, and I used it for another hour and a half. So I used it for two and a half hours. And then guess what? After two and a half hours, boom, the motor blew. And you know what? The first thing that when I called Menards back, what did the salesman said? Did you put oil in it? And I said, duh. Right? The whole reason why I asked, because what does oil do? It lubricates to make things run smoother. And the same thing with your life. If you don't have the oil of the Holy Spirit in your life and totally submit and surrender to him, you're going to run rough. And eventually you're going to blow up. And you're going to fall under uh, uh, stress and pressures. And then you blow up by maybe getting mad or angry and upset because you haven't maybe yielded. Somebody say amen, right? So I always say this. And you got to write this down. God gave this to me about a three-step prayer. Three-step prayer, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Watch this. Holy Spirit, empower me. In our weakness, he's made strong. Holy Spirit, empower me, God, to be able to do your work. I can't do it on my own. Lord, in my weakness, you're made strong. Paul said, that's why I delight in my weaknesses, so that you can be strong in me. God, empower me to do that which you call me to do. Second one is this. Holy Spirit, guide me. God, you said that you are a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. God, guide me in my steps. Lord, you are not a God of confusion but a God of peace. You ordain the steps of a righteous man and woman. Lord, guide me. That's Holy Spirit. That's what he says in John, that the Holy Spirit comes to teach you, to guide you, and to train you, and to remind you of those things. That's the agent of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, guide me. The third one is this. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. Let any of you lack wisdom, let them ask God who gives graciously without finding fault. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom to do that which you call me to do. Lord, I can't do it on my own, but God, if I have the wisdom and the mind of you in what I do, God, I'm going to prevent myself from having accidents in my life. You see, these three things are survival kits for your life. These three areas are the survival kit for your life. When I was in Colorado, I remember the first time I went uh, whitetail hunting. They don't have whitetails. They have mule deers. These whitetails that you guys have and that we have, they look like dogs, right? You go out to Colorado, you get a mule deer, they look like moose, right? They're huge. But I remember, man, the first time that I went hunting in Colorado, and I, I, mean, I was scared to death. And You go to Colorado, you're up on these mountains, and you shoot a deer down there, you better think twice because you have to walk down that mountain and you have to take it back up that mountain. I mean, it's, it's harder than you think. But I remember the first time they had all these veteran hunters, all these veteran hunters that say, Pastor, Pastor, you don't understand Colorado, Dave. You don't know. Hey, Colorado, boy, you, you just don't understand. You better make sure you have your survival pack. I said, what do you mean a survival pack? Hey, I hunt in Wisconsin on my dad's property. It's no big deal. Hey, I know what I'm doing. No, you don't. And they said, man, you got to have a survival pack. So Pastor Andrew, I went out. I brought a red backpack. 
And I stuffed it with everything you can think of. I had, man, one of those heating blankets that you put on if you got stranded. I had my compass. I had my knife. I even had toilet paper. I had matches. I had it all. And when I showed it to the guys, they all started laughing. I said, man, Pastor, that's kind of a little overkill. I said, well, you told me to get a survival kit. And so you know what? Sure enough, my first experience going out hunting, I am not kidding you. I had my compass, and I thought I knew where north was, but actually it was south. I was all messed up. I got lost. I kid you not. I got lost. And I'm sitting there in the middle of this mountain in Colorado, and everything in Colorado looks the same. I kid you not. One valley to another valley to another peak. It all looks the same. And I kid you not, I was sitting there, and I had crying, man. I was like, oh, God. And I was freaking out. So you know what I did? I shot my gun, like they say, three times. Bam, bam, bam. And finally I was rescued. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Were you lost? No, I wasn't lost. Hey, I'm checking out. What'd you do? Oh, I was shooting at something. Yeah. You know, I was a man, right? But you know what, guys? Listen, we need a survival kit for our lives to help us through our life. David knew that the absence of the Holy Spirit was like walking in a corn maze. God, I... I I need your Holy Spirit to guide me, to direct me, to empower me. You see, a lot of times without the Holy Spirit, we're walking aimlessly. But the Holy Spirit is to guide us. You see, that's why he said in verse 12, restore to me the joy of my salvation. In other words, God, restore that which the locusts have stolen from my life. God, you say that you're going to restore the years the locusts have stolen from me. Restore the joy. What happens in a lot of times with Christians, we give up. We give up serving God. You know why? Because we lost the joy in serving God. We become drudgery. It's become routine. It's become a habit instead of a relationship. And that's what happens a lot of times even in our marriages. Our marriages are not a relationship. It's not a a love relationship. It's just now a routine. It becomes a habit. And she's boring and he's boring. So we want to give up on each other. But what happens is that's what David is saying. God, restore the years, the joy back in my life that then the enemy has been staken from me. I love this. Sin is like nerve endings. It loses its sensitivity to the things of God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And that's what happened with David. David was a man after God's own heart. And now he's pleading out, God, help me, Lord. Restore back to that joy that I once had with you and my relationship with you. God, let it not just be a routine. God, let it not become mundane and dry. Lord, let it be exciting, God. People always say to me, Pastor, how do you keep the fervency of God in your life? I'll tell you. I read my word every day, obviously. But I do a lot of different things. You see, listen, every one of us has a different personality. But I do a lot of things different to keep fervency in my life. Number one, obviously, I pray. Even this morning, I had to get up earlier to pray because I had to come and set the, you have to pray, read the word. Those are two vital things. But you know what I do? I listen to a lot of praise and worship. Man, I read all the time. I got seven books that I'm reading right now. Man, I got a stack of them on my desk. But you got to, I look at the beautiful things around me. I listen to people's testimonies. 
You see, this is how I keep my fervency with God. You see, when I listen to people's testimonies or praise reports, you know what that does? I don't get jealous, mad, or upset. You know what I do? I rejoice with them. I jump in their bathtub. You know why? Because if God did it for them, he can do it for me. You see, a lot of times what happens, our first reaction is we want to get jealous or upset. Hey, why did God do it for them and not for me? Come on. Pastor, quit stepping on my bunions. But it's true. What you should do is jump into their bathtub and say, hey, scrub-a-dub-dub, three men in the tub. God the Father, me and you. Amen. Hey, you got to find ways to find fervency for your life. Find way. David's prayer was being back to his first love. God, I got to come back to my first love. In Revelations chapter 2, I love what John the Revelator is saying there. He's calling us back to our first love. Who's our first love? Our God. He loved you before you were even born. He knit you together fearfully and wonderfully in your mother's womb. He knew your name before it was even named. He knows everything about you. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every blood cell. He knows every muscle. He knows everything about you. I remember when I was a kid. He said, give me a piece of paper and I'll write all about you. You don't know that neither. But, But he knows everything about you. He loves you so much what he says. Yet I hold this against you. This is John the Revelator. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You have forsaken. In other words, you drifted away. When we drift away from God or the drift further you drift away from God or even from the land, what happens is it becomes out of sight. The further you get away from something, the less visible it is. And what happens is the enemy is so subtle. Get this, guys. Get this. Please hear your pastor. He is so subtle. He'll slowly but surely have you move one step at a time. But the old saying is you put one front in front of the other, and soon you'll be walking out the door. And it's so true what happens with many believers. We start putting one foot in front of the other, and soon we're walking out the door with God. We're just walking away from his presence. We're walking away from his, 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 his power and strength. And we're wondering why we feel empty and depressed and discouraged and no joy in our tank. It's because we're putting one foot in front of the other, and the enemy is suddenly having us walk out of God's presence. And he says, consider it how far you have fallen. Oh, my. How far we have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Come back to your first love. I remember when I was playing basketball. Man, our coach, John McGuire, man, he was amazing. We won all the state championships. Look us up. Racine St. Catharines. They win state champions every year. They're just incredible basketball team. But you know what? You know why we won, Bob, all the time? We won all the time. I'll tell you why. Very simple. We stuck to the basics. We stuck to the basics. I remember the first time I played a lot of street ball. And so because I played street ball, I would put it between my legs and around my back. And I'd do a lot of stuff like that. And every time I did that, the coach would stop practice. CJ, enough of that. You don't do that on my floor. And he was so militant about staying to the basics. So, man, we stuck to the basics. And guess what? It worked. But a lot of times the reason why we stay away from the basics with God is because you get bored with God. So you want to try to reinvent the wheel. And God wants you to stay with him. He says, 
do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstands from its place. I will remove. You see, listen, whenever you fall out of love with something, I want you to hear this. You got to get this in your heart. Whenever you fall out of love with something, you start pulling away from it. You start pulling away. I don't love him. I don't love her anymore. I don't love my kids anymore. I don't love my job anymore. I don't love those people anymore. And what do we start doing? We start pulling away. Isn't that exactly what we do with God sometimes? Then the next part, we start pulling away. We start complaining about it. Where's God? Man, he don't love me. She don't love me. He don't love me. My kids don't love me. My job don't love me. My boss don't care. My friends don't care. And we start complaining. We complain about the sun even rising and even the sun setting because it's become a mentality. It's become the way of life. And we don't even realize that we're complaining so much. Out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak. And what you put in is going to come out. And if you're always complaining, guess what's going to come out? And when you fall away from your first love, I, man, we were looking at some pictures the other day, my wife and I, and I'll tell you, we looked at some pictures of, man, of our wedding day, Terry, I'll never forget. Man, the reason why we did is because we were talking with Katie about her wedding. And I was telling Katie, Katie, this is your wedding. Do what you and Caleb want to do in your wedding because it's something that you're going to remember the rest of your life. So we're looking at these pictures, Michael. It was so cool. You know what it did? It brought a tickle to my heart. It brought me back. I remember that day. I remember that day when we were kneeling. We had a kneeler there. And when we were kneeling... And there, Pastor Stranquist was praying over us. We had the song, Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And you know what happened in that place? Unaware, I'm on my knees, my back is to the crowd. You know what happened? They all started standing up, lifting their hands, praising God. And when we turned around, they were all standing. And once we got up off our feet and looked at each other, the whole place started erupting. I'll never forget that day. It was the day of my first love. Don't ever forget the day when you met Jesus as your Lord and Savior. How he's transformed you. How he's changed you. How he's rearranged you. And he's not done with you yet because he said he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus our Lord. Guess what? He's still working on you. He hasn't given up on you. So don't you give up on him. He loves you. Come back. Come back. And that's what God is looking for today in the church. He's looking for us to come back so that we can be like David to teach others. So that we can be like David. Hey, listen. Man, I'm far from perfect. I have had a lot of ups and downs in my own personal life. But I'm here to tell you this. That God did it for me and he can do it for you. But look at this complaining about it and you give up on it. I'm bailing. I'm throwing in a towel. I quit. You know, it's easy to quit. But it's harder to stay in there. 
Could you imagine all those salmon that go upstream instead of downstream? Their destination is, i got to get to that place to lay my eggs. They're fighting against the stream. Let me tell you something. You and I are a majority. And we're fighting against the world and its stream. It's hard sometimes to stand to be a, a Christian. With all the stuff that's going on in our world, we're always fighting upstream. We can join them or we can go against them. But I know who I live for. And my Redeemer lives in me. And I'm like Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power unto God in Christ Jesus now lives in me. In this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm not going to put it under a bushel. I'm going to put it on the mountain so all the people will know that Jesus Christ lives in me. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. But look it up. Consider how far, we got to close. I know I'm getting behind here. Consider how far you have fallen. The further you are away from God, hear this, the less you hear his voice. Sense his presence and his love. God, I want to hear you, Lord. I want to hear you. I remember watching the color of purple, the movie. And I love African-American music. And they got a song in there, Speak, my Lord, speak to me. Speak, my Lord, speak to me. Then it goes, God is trying to tell you something right now, right now, right now. God is trying to tell you something right now speak my lord for your servants are listening speak god our world needs to come back to its first love so that the presence can guide us again i want to challenge you because that's every time i see you is challenge you encourage you inspire you i'm challenging you now Instead of complaining about so much stuff, why don't you pray more about stuff? Why don't you pray, God, change our country. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal their lands. Complaining only digs the hole deeper, but prayer lifts it up. I want to challenge you. Let's pray more and complain less. I love this. I will come to you and remove your lampstands from its place. What John the Revelator was saying, he would re remove his spirit or presence from you. Watch this. The absence of his presence is a void, is a void of his love, peace, and joy in your life. Wow. You can see that truly in our world, an absence of God's love, peace, and joy is gone. How are we going to restore it? We're going to restore it as David said. Then I, then I will be able to teach others. We are able to restore because God's taken us through the storms of life so that we can now show others and teach others what God has done in us. That's the role of the church. 
the role of the church is go and make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And lo, I will be with you always. So I go back to Psalms 51 as we close. It says this, Psalm 51, verse 13. He says that you, look this, this, I like this. He says, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, but go ahead now. But he says, I will teach. Now listen, verse 13 is this. I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. David said, David went through the school of hard knocks so he could teach others. David's testimony was a book so others could read and follow. So are you. So are you, Phil. You're a book. People are reading you. What's your story like? What's your headlines? Strong and courageous believer or weak, fragile, and frail? What's the heading of your title, of your book? God took David's mess and gave him a message. You see, listen, I close with this. I promise you now. Everything that you know, everything, Lisa, that you know is that you've been taught. Every one of us. I remember, man, how I was taught how to drive. My brother-in-law taught me how to drive. And I scared the fire out of him. That's why he's got gray hair right now. But you know what? Guess who I taught? I taught my kids. Thank God I don't got gray hair right now. But did you get the picture? My brother-in-law taught me. I taught my, my kids. My sisters taught me how to ride my bike. Guess who I taught how to ride bikes? My kids. My wife taught me how to change oil on a car. Guess who I taught how to change oil? My kids. You get the picture? The things that you're going through, Tony, in life is not just for your own benefit. It's to teach others. It's to teach others. And that's why Thomas David says, then I will be able to teach transgressors your ways. Because God, Donnie, taught me. And now I can teach others. That's what it's all about. You see, we cannot expect others to change if we ourselves have not changed. We cannot expect others to believe if we do not share our beliefs. We cannot expect others to love, forgive, and accept if we ourselves do not. Let us point others to Christ by living out the life of Christ. Do not get mad at others if you are not leading the charge for change. So next week, I'm going to talk about how we can teach others coming from Psalms 51 verse 13. How we can teach others and what we can be like. Will you stand with me today? Thank you for letting me go a little bit longer. I know we have a couple of visitors here today. I don't really try not to go this long, but hey, I have to get out right away now. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I just want you to know, thank you for being here today. And I know that you know guys have to come out and we have to face the things that we're facing. But thank you for being here today. And I pray, seriously, that you, Randy, I 
love you. I tell you all the time. I pray you guys know. And Neil, it's so good to have you on our softball team now. And it's great to meet you. I'll tell you guys, I truly, truly want you to know how much I do care about you. I pray that you sense that in my heart. Like I said, honestly, if you see him at my house, Dave, I have all your names, and I pray for you. I pray for you, Anya. I do, Steve. I pray for you because we love you. And all I want to see, Mother Teresa Robin, is God for through you. I have no other motive. This is my last rodeo here at Adventure Church, and then I ride off into the sunset. So you know what? I want to do, Quinn, whatever God is calling us to do, Judy. And that's to follow him. Can I pray a blessing over you today? I want you to put your hands out just like this, like you're receiving. Come on. I want to bless you, and you're going in, and you're going out. I want you to feel his presence. And well, right now, Father, as we hold out our hands today, fill our cups up, Lord. Fill our cup up, Lord. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, pour out your Holy Spirit upon each and every individual that is here right now. I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that they will sense your love, hear your voice again, that you will tune them in to your spirit like never before. Lord, what the enemy is trying to do against them, no weapon formed against them shall or will prosper in the name of Jesus. I cover each and every individual with the blood of Jesus and place a hedge of protection about them, their mind, body, soul, and spirit, that you will bless them and they're going in and they're going out, that whatever they put their hands to doing, God, it will prosper, that they will find favor with you and favor with man, that, God, they will have handfuls on purpose coming into their lives, that you will meet their needs financially, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, that you will open the windows of heaven to them right now in the name of Jesus. You are not a God of lack. You are a God of plenty. And I pray that, God, the windows will be open right now. The silver and the gold is yours. God, I pray that you will pour into them right now. Let the joy of the Lord be restored to them from the crowns of their head to the soles of their feet. I thank you for this wonderful congregation. Go with us, God, today. And may we continue to celebrate the victory of your son, Jesus. We love you now. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Now, come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. God bless you. We love you in Jesus. Have a great week. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider supporting us. You can make an easy and safe donation on our website www.adventurechurchsiren.com slash give. Thank you for your generous donation.